0: Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the contact us link on our website. Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. All right. There we go. Okay, let me, let me pray very quickly for us father thank you again for this incredible time of worship for uh, just uh, lifting up our voices in song lord thank you for uh, the opportunity to focus on your word and lord even in the midst of distraction i pray that we would just hear from you lord don't let don't let the small things keep us from your truth lord you have we have an opportunity once a week to do this as a body of christ father and i pray you'd be glorified and so i pray you just help us to see and understand your truth I pray we would know you more and through the power of the Spirit, Lord, as we study your word this morning, be transformed more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right, take your Bibles and open to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29. We are continuing our study this week through the book of Genesis. We have been at this now for a long time and it just seems like every week we learn more and more and are challenged on a different level and so I want to review very quickly where we've been to make sure in case you haven't been with us in a couple of weeks or if this is your first time, we want to welcome you this morning. I want to review kind of where we've been and then then really look to where we're going to be going because we, we always, anytime we study scripture, uh, we need to study it as kind of a big picture. If I handed you a novel, if you enjoy reading and I handed you a novel and you just randomly Flip to one page and read a paragraph, it would make no sense to you. That paragraph only makes sense in, in the grand scheme of the novel itself, of the whole book. And scripture is a lot like that. And so I want to make sure we understand not only where we've been, but where we're going as well. So we've been studying the last couple of weeks Jacob. And we talked about Jacob's deceit and how he lied to his father and how he tricked his brother. And then we kind of ended a couple of weeks ago with Esau, his brother, the younger brother that he, he had tricked, Actually, the older brother that he had tricked wanted to kill him. And so Jacob is on the run. He flees. His dad says, listen, you need to get out of here. Mom says, get out of here. And dad says, listen, you need to go and you need to find a wife somewhere else. You need to go back to our homeland, back to where we're from. Don't marry a girl from around here. Marry a girl from the homeland. And so Jacob is on the run. And the way we kind of defined it last week in Genesis chapter 28 is we defined it as a man who has been isolated from his family. His brother wants to kill him, his mother's told him to leave, his dad is not happy with him. This is a man who's left everything behind. We saw from the text last week, he probably didn't bring a lot with him. This is a man who has no real idea where he's going. He's kind of at the depth of life. He's kind of in the worst possible situation. And we said it was in that very moment, as God oftentimes does, he spoke directly into the heart of Jacob. And so I asked the question last week, I wonder how many of us, sometimes the Lord has kind of had to get our attention through a difficult circumstance. I wonder how many times the Lord has has, has allowed us to kind of back ourselves into this corner, so to speak, to kind of get ourselves in a bad spot and we kind of think we've got it figured out ourselves and then when we're at our lowest, the Lord says, listen, I'm still here. I've still got a plan for you and so Jacob is alone he's afraid he's kind of at the depths and the Lord speaks to him and he does it in kind of this magnificent incredible way it's through a dream but it's not just any dream it's a dream in which the Lord appears and there's a ladder and the Bible says that there are angels ascending and descending and God is at the top of the ladder and he's speaking to Jacob but not it's just speaking it's not just a dream he, he begins to make these promises And we've already talked about the promises of the Lord to Abraham and the promise to Isaac. And now for the first time in Scripture, God is going to make some very specific promises to Jacob. He's going to promise him the land. Jacob, the land that you're sleeping on, I'm going to give this to you. Your descendants are going to be great. I'm going to do great things through you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to protect you. Now, we need to understand something. This is important as we kind of understand where we're going in the the grand scheme and the big picture of Scripture. Jacob isn't just some other guy here nobody thought he was, we all know he's a pretty big deal, but he's not just some other guy that has a dream, right? Even more important maybe than Abraham and Isaac, Jacob is gonna be the one, I follow, this is important. The children of Jacob are gonna become the 12 tribes of Israel, you understand that? So Jacob's name is gonna be changed to Israel. His sons will become the 12 tribes. So the tribe of Judah, Judah was one of his sons, Simeon, all the different names. And I think, I think our students are going through that right now. You guys p- probably name all 12 of them. But these are the sons of Jacob. So when the Lord is promising this to Jacob, when the Lord is speaking to Jacob, and the Lord is talking about his descendants, this is a big deal. God has great plans for this man. God is going to do incredible things through his life. And I'm reminded as I study his life and all the Lord is going to do in his heart, I'm reminded of Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, when Christ basically tells us, and I'm going to paraphrase this, to whom much is given, much is what? Expected or required. God says to Jacob, I'm I'm giving you all this stuff. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to use you. I want you to do great things because of me and through my power. But because I'm doing these things for you, I'm requiring much from you. And so what we see here is in the next few verses, in the next few chapters, Jacob is about to, after this dream, enter a very difficult circumstance in his life. In fact, he's going to leave and he's going to go find a wife. And he probably in his mind thinks, I'm going to go find a wife and then go back home. What we begin to understand in our scripture this morning is that Jacob is going to spend 20 years with Laban. And in those 20 years, he's going to go through some very, very difficult circumstances. And so I I think kind of the, the theme and the idea that begins to run through chapter 29 and into verse 30 is that oftentimes God uses difficult situations and difficult people and difficult times in our lives to shape us. You ever thought about that? If you're like me, when something bad happens, what do we immediately do? We pray that the Lord removes it, don't we? God I'm just going through this thing at work and it's tough and I've got to deal with this employer or this employee and Lord if you could just take all this away <laughs> if you could just remove this from my life Lord you know how much easier you know how much easier it'd be for me to pray Lord you know how much better my worship would be Lord you know how much more money I'd give to the church Lord if you just took all that we say those kinds of things if you just take this stuff away and sometimes the Lord's saying no 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 It's not really about me taking the difficult situation away. It's about you walking through the difficulty. I'm going to walk here beside you. And when you get out of the other end, you're going to be stronger. You're going to be closer to me. See, being in God's will does not always mean things are going to be easy. Sometimes the most difficult things we ever face will be struggling to seek the will of the Lord. Did you know that? Sometimes the most difficult things we ever go through are when we're trying to walk with Christ. But God knows very clearly, and we'll see this in the scripture this morning, that as we walk with him through difficulty, it forces us to rely on him more and more and more and more. So the question you ought to consider this morning as we begin to study through chapter 29 is this. How are your current struggles shaping you to be more like Christ? Now, Genesis chapter 29, we're going to begin in verse one. We have it on the screen as well. You can read along on the screen. You can read along in your Bibles as well. Genesis chapter 29 beginning in verse 1. Then Jacob continued on his journey, right? This is just, we're just continuing from the end of chapter 29. He's had the dream. He wakes up with this renewed sense of excitement and purpose. He continues on his journey. He came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the open country with three flocks of sheep lying near it, because the flocks were watered from the well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. And that's important. It doesn't mean anything to you right now, but just remember, this is a big rock on top of this well. Verse 3. When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob asked the shepherds, My brothers, where are you from? We're from Haran they replied. He said to them, "Do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson?" "Yes, we know him," they answered. Verse 6, and Jacob asked, "Is is he well?" "Yes, he is," they said, and here comes his daughter Rachel with the sheep. "Look," he said, "the sun is still high. It's not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the sheep and take them back to pasture." "We can't," they replied until all the flocks are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well, then we will water the sheep. While he was still talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherd. When Jacob saw Rachel, excuse me, when Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. He told her that... He was a relative of her father, a son of Rebekah. So she ran and told her father, verse 13, as soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he hurried to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him, brought him to his home. And there Jacob told him all these things. And let's pause there for just a second. Let's make a point and then kind of think through it just for a few minutes. Point number one, God directs our situations to mold us into his image. Okay, God directs our situations, I guess it could be situations with an S plural, to mold us into his image. So, so here's a news flash in case you didn't understand this. God has not only got a plan for your life, okay, but God will, Scripture tells us God directs our path and God places us in these moments so we can bring him glory and draw closer to him. Did you understand that? So when you're going through a difficult time, you don't need to wonder, why am I struggling with this? Why is this so hard for me? Is the the Lord angry with me? Is the Lord mad with me? Does the Lord just want me to suffer? That's not the answer at all. What's really happening is the Lord has placed you in this situation and for whatever reason allowed you to stay there because he wants to deepen your walk. He wants to deepen your faith. It's a very simple example, but we understand the example of kind of getting in shape, maybe running or lifting weights. When you first start that, or even when you continue that, it's usually not easy on your body, is it? It's a struggle, and it is difficult, but we understand physically that if we continue to run or continue to work out and continue to push our bodies, if we can continue to put ourselves under duress, then eventually we will be stronger, won't we? We will be more fit. It's the same way with our lives. Just like if you enjoy running or working out, you don't lift that first weight and say, "Well, this is too hard, I gotta get out of here, man. I gotta find something else. You push through it, right? It's the same idea with our lives. The first difficult thing we come to, we wanna pray the Lord removes it. Instead, we ought to begin to think, I wanna push through this, Lord, and I want you to strengthen me through this process. This is what Jacob's doing. See, Jacob's had this dream. The Lord has spoken to him. The Lord has given him this picture of how he wants to use him and what he wants to do. And so Jacob gets up and he continues the journey. Now it's interesting that the phrase here, depending on the scripture you're reading, some of the scriptures in chapter 29 verse 1 say that he lifted up his feet. I think maybe that may be the King James or the new King James. He lifted up his feet. And there's this sense here that there's the renewed purpose. There's an excitement. He all of a sudden wants to do something where he wasn't quite sure where he was going before where he didn't exactly know what the Lord was doing. All of a sudden, he's got a renewed sense and a new purpose, and so he lifts up his feet, he continues on his journey, and he shows up at this well. Now, I just want to pause for a second, I want to remind you of something. Some of you may have already kind of realized this. You may have noticed as we were reading through the first few verses of this chapter that this story sounds familiar. And so let me just kind of give you the, the high points because I want to point something out that's very interesting to you. Here's the man, Jacob, who has been called of the Lord, The Lord sends him on this journey. The Lord provides for him. The Lord protects him. The Lord leads him now to exactly where he wants him to go. And again, we see the hand of the Lord all over this, right? This isn't just dumb luck. The Lord has directed his path, directed his course. He brought him to this exact well. And while he was at the well, he met people that knew Laban, the man he was looking for. And oh, by the way, while he's talking to this man, Laban's daughter just happens to walk up and he's looking to marry one of Laban's daughters, right? So we see the the hand of the Lord all over this situation, all over this journey. The Lord is directing the path of Jacob. Now that may sound very familiar to you because if you were to back up a few chapters, we're not gonna do this, but you may remember when the Lord decides that it's time for Isaac to find a wife, Abraham sends a servant. You remember the story, I think it's Genesis, Genesis 24. This servant is protected by the Lord. This servant is provided for by the Lord. This servant goes on the same journey to the same place. He ends up at a well. While he's at the well, the woman that he's gonna eventually marry, Rebekah, shows up and he meets her. He goes to the house of Laban. So you've got these almost parallel stories. It's almost as if the Lord is kind of using the same blueprint for Jacob and Rachel that he did for Isaac and for the servant of Abraham. So it's very similar, but there's one big difference, and this is awfully important. This will help us kind of understand, this will clue us in a little bit into the life of Jacob and what's going on with Jacob at this time. And I I think it'll kind of clue us in maybe to how we live sometimes. When Isaac found his wife, or when Abraham's servant found Isaac's wife, The Bible tells us that when he met her, he bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, these are the words, Praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on this journey to the house of my master's relatives. So when Abraham's servant finds Isaac's wife, he worships the Lord. He bows down and he prays and he thanks God for bringing him to that point. Now fast forward a few chapters until chapter 29 we're studying this morning. Jacob is going on the same journey. He's going to go to the well. He's going to meet his wife, future wife. He's going to meet Laban and there's no indication that he serves the Lord. That's interesting to me. There's no indication that he prays. There's no indication that he's thankful. There's no indication that he even recognizes what the Lord's doing. And I'm reminded from last week, chapter 28, verse 16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And we just kind of brought this application to life last week, and we talked through, and I, th- I think it's worth reminding you this week there are going to be times in our lives when the Lord is at work, when the Lord guides our situations and guides our circumstances and leads us to a certain place, and we may not even be aware of it. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it seems so silly to us when we read this passage of Scripture. How could Jacob not understand that the Lord was guiding him to this exact place? And yet it happens in our lives every day, doesn't it? The Lord directs us. The Lord uses us. The Lord puts us in certain circumstances, in certain places, in certain situations. And he does it for a reason. And oftentimes oftentimes we're unaware. And so we should, we should ask ourselves the question on a regular basis, Lord, kind of what am I doing here? <laughs> Why am I in this difficult situation? Why am I having this struggle at work? Why are things not going the way they ought to go? And there, there are lots of reasons leading up to that. But what we need to begin to understand is the Lord will use those situations if we'll just kind of open our eyes to him. If we'll just kind of be aware of his presence in our lives we'll begin to recognize the Lord can use us even in those moments. Now I want you to notice what Jacob does. Jacob's kind of a a cool guy, right? He's kind of a cool customer because he shows up at this well. He knows he's looking for a wife. All of a sudden he sees this girl that's kind of walking up on the horizon. He knows he's supposed to marry somebody from this girl's household and he's thinking to himself, maybe it's this girl and so I want you to notice what he does in verse 7. It's very interesting to I me. Mean, he's talking to these shepherds, right? Because it's Jacob, a bunch of shepherds, and his future wife, Rachel, walking towards him. Look, at his Look, he said, the sun is still high. It's not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the sheep. Take them back to pasture. You know what he's doing right here, don't you? Guys, these dudes are a third wheel at the, at the, at the well. He needs them out of here. He needs some alone time with Rachel, right? He needs to talk to Rachel a little bit. How you doing, right? That whole kind of deal right there. And he needs to get the shepherds out of here in order for that. So guys, listen, it's not time yet to water the flock. Just water your sheep. Get them back to pasture. These guys aren't dumb. They know what's going on. Look what they say in verse 8. We can't. (laughs) Woo, sorry about that. We can't. They replied, until all the flocks are gathered, the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well, then we will water the sheep, right? So Jacob's kind of in this difficult place. He wants to spend time with his girl. He wants to talk to her, get to know her a little bit more. He wants the shepherds to leave, but they won't leave because the big rock is there and they've got to get the rock out before they can water the sheep. So what does Jacob do? Jacob walks over to this rock and he rolls it away himself. Isn't that interesting? Jacob says, listen, I'm I'm just going to kind of take matters into my own hand, I'm just going to take this rock. I'm going to roll this thing away. He's going to help her water the sheep. They're going to water their sheep. And so now he's got some time with Rachel. Look at what he does in verse 11. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. And he told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and a son of Rebecca, So she ran and told her father. Now, we don't want to read too much into this idea of a kiss. It's a a family kiss. It's a relative. I love this girl because she's part of my family. I've been alone for all these weeks. I've been in the desert. I've been in the wilderness. I'm going to kiss her. I'm going to weep. And I'm going to tell her about my family. I'm going to tell her how the Lord has used me. I'm going to tell her this dream that I have. And we begin to see again how the Lord has put them into this place, how the Lord is shaping and molding. He brings Jacob and Rebekah together at exactly, excuse me, Jacob and Rachel together together at exactly the same time. They have this conversation and now let's continue. Verse 14, look what happens. So she goes and tells her father Laban, verse 14, and Laban said to him, you are my own flesh and blood. After Jacob had stayed with him for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work For me, for nothing. Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. We've already met Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for seven years in return for your daughter, Rachel. So Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days because of his love for her. That's the moment where we all go, oh. Verse 21. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took, now this is, this is Mean what he's going to do right here. Just follow along. When evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And Laban said to his servant Zilpha, or gave his servant Zilpha to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you've done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it's not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week. Then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. So we've already seen God will mold and shape our situation and our circumstances. He brought Jacob to this place. He brought Rachel to this place. He's placed them together. Now his truth number two. is we think about Jacob kind of growing closer to the Lord. Number two, God uses difficult people to mold us into his image. See not only does God use circumstances, not only does God use situations, not only does God use difficult times in our lives, but sometimes God will use difficult people to mold us into his image. Now I'm not asking you to write anything down or say anything out loud, but I bet every one of us has got a person in mind right now, don't we? You're thinking, yes, difficult person, yes, 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 I know exactly who you're talking about, right? And our initial response is, maybe I don't like that person, maybe I don't want to be around that person, maybe that person isn't nice to me, All you can kind of fill in the blanks. But as we begin to understand scripture, and we begin to understand how the Lord is always at work in our lives, and we begin to understand that nothing just happens by chance, we, we begin to ask ourselves the question, is this person maybe placed in my life? Has the Lord allowed this person to be part of my life so the Lord can use that person to drive me closer to Christ? To shape me more into the image of Jesus? Can that person be used in my life? As difficult as that person may be so that I can be more Christ-like. I mean, just imagine the difficulty in being Christ-like to the person that's the meanest to you, right? The person that you dislike the most. The thorn in your side. Imagine, even as you think through being nice to that person, just kind of, you kind of want to grinch your teeth, don't you? Sometimes the Lord allows those people to be in our lives so we can be molded more into his image. So we got this interesting story, right? Jacob goes to Laban's house. He stays there for a month. Laban begins to notice some things about Jacob. Now, I I firmly believe that Laban was kind of a tricky guy, and we see that in his actions. So Laban begins to notice that Jacob maybe is a hard worker. He probably hears the story about the giant stone that he rolled away. He sees he's a pretty strong guy. He's come, maybe he's ready to do some work. And on top of that, the scripture tells us that this young man, not really young, but this man that showed up at his house, Jacob, is in love with his daughter. So Laban starts putting two and two together here. This is a guy who's come, he's working, he's pretty strong, he's motivated. He's in love with my daughter. What can I now do to make these things work in my advantage? See what he's doing here? So look again at verse 15. So Laban said to him, just because you're a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now, he already understands that his son is in love with Rebekah. He already understands that this guy, I said his son, Jacob, is in love with Rebekah. He already understands that this guy is willing to work. And so he says to him, listen, what do you want to give me? What should your wages be? Now, I think it's interesting here if we kind of think through Jacob's heart a little bit. Again, we've kind of already made the point that he's unaware, at least at times, that the Lord's at work. He's unaware of the idea of praying and seeking the Lord. He's unaware of worshiping the Lord, even though the Lord has brought him to this place. And so we we begin to ask ourselves the question, why did he choose Rebekah? Why did he think Rebecca was the one? I mean, she just kind of walked up out of the desert. She came out of nowhere. She shows up at the well. He's not praying, he's not seeking the Lord necessarily. Why did he think she was the one? Well, verse 17 kind of clears it up for us. Genesis 29:17. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. See that? He, he just liked the way she looked. He was attracted to her physically. There, there's no indication here that there's any sort of a spiritual development or spiritual question or prayer that went into this relationship. Now, let me just kind of pause for just a second and just kind of encourage you guys and you ladies that are maybe not in a relationship at this moment. If your entire decision in a relationship is based on physical stuff, you're going to be Disappointed at some point, I promise you. You need to seek the Lord in a relationship, guys and girls. You need to seek the Lord. You need to spend great amounts of time in prayer about who you're going to marry. You need to study God's word as it relates to who you're going to marry. You you need to find a a young lady or a young man who loves the Lord when you decide who you're going to marry. Guys and girls, if you're, if you're dating a non-Christian right now, what, what are you doing? Are you going to marry that person? you going to marry a non-believer? Because what you're ultimately saying is, I'm, I'm just going to date this person for four or five years. They're not really a believer, and then I'll just break up with them, I guess, and waste four years of my life. See, we, 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 ought, we ought to be spiritually engaged when we think about who we're going to marry there, there's certainly physical attraction and, and there's that, that intimacy and all that stuff that has to happen. I get all that. But you, you better be sure that the Lord's involved in this process. Because here's a man, it seems at least scripturally, that wasn't interested in seeking the Lord at this moment. He was interested in a beautiful girl that just happened up at this well. He had not put any kind of prayer into it. He was not seeking the Lord. And he bases the decision, at least it appears, on Rachel's physical beauty. Now, that may seem good to him, but it's a difficult place to be because there's a lot of bad things that are going to happen, right? So here's the deal. He falls in love with this girl. Dad says, listen, okay, if you want to work for me and you want to marry my daughter, you're in love with my daughter, what's it going to take? And Jacob says, I'll work for seven years to marry your daughter. Now, when we first read that, that seems like a long time, doesn't it? I just wonder, I asked the 830 service, I didn't ask anybody to raise their hand, but I wonder if any of us before we were married dated seven years or longer. Not many, some do, but not many. That's a long time. But Jacob says, you know what, it kind of points to his love for her and how much he's willing to wait for her. And so he says, you know what, I'll wait all this time. I'll wait seven years for her because I love her so much and I wanna work for you, Laban, and I just believe this is what I need to do. So I'm gonna work for you seven years. So it's very interesting, if you look at verse 20, The Bible says, bring that back up if you would. Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days then because of his love for her, right? There's this, there's this great amount of love for this woman. And then as we move into verse 21, seven years have passed. That's important for us to understand. So he's agreed to do this. He's agreed to work. And verse 21 kind of tells us also that the time has passed. So he says to Jacob, give me my wife. My time is completed. I want to lie with her or make love to her. Now this is one of those kind of verses that's kind of Strange to read out loud. I get that. I thought through that a little. Do I really want to, how do I want to say this? How do I want to phrase it? But you know what I thought? Let's just read it like it says it. And instead of kind of snickering about it and laughing about it, let's just be honest about it. This is a man, I believe, based on this text, that had waited sexually to be with his wife until marriage. You see that? I mean, he's been with her seven years. He's living in her house. He's physically attracted to her. He's in love with her, and yet when the time comes, he says to his future father in law, Listen, the time is now. I'm ready to marry this woman. I think there's an awful lot to be learned, and, and, and I'm not trying to preach a sermon just to our teenagers here talking about marriage and who you decide. But the idea of waiting for marriage is kind of an old fashioned idea, isn't it? People don't do that anymore, right? They don't wait. They, they, need, they need to be compatible. They need to figure out if they're compatible now. Why wait? Well, we wait simply because the scripture tells us to wait. That's God's plan for us. And I've said this before, and and you can be mad at me if you want to, but young man who says, I just love her too much, it's really about how much you love yourself, isn't it? Because if you really loved her, you'd want to follow the Ephesians 5 model that says, I'm I'm supposed to present her holy and blameless to the Lord, not lead her into sin. And so we ought to be taking truth like this and, and scripture like this and understanding this is how God calls me to live. And even if John and and Susie and Frankie and all my friends back here say I should do it some other way, I'm going to do it the way the Lord says it. This is how I'm going to choose to live my life because I want to honor Christ. So this is a man that's waited. This is a man that's interested in marrying this woman. And so father-in-law Laban says, great, let's plan this party. Time to get married, time to do this thing. So they plan this big feast and this big celebration and the Bible tells us that he goes into the tent to wait for his new bride and unbeknownst to him, Laban sends in Leah. Now he doesn't realize anything's wrong, the Bible tells us, until the next morning. Now we think to ourselves, wait a minute now, how is this possible? We laugh at this idea, right? How? Well, there's several things we need to keep in mind. And when you begin to understand what's going on here, it doesn't, make, it doesn't seem as strange as maybe you would think it would seem. First of all, this is a big celebration. Jacob may have had too much to drink. He was probably a little tipsy. He goes into his tent. The tent is very dark. It's difficult for him to see anyway. And then on top of that, it's custom in this part of the world in this time for the bride to be veiled, like fully veiled. That was their custom. You say, that's silly. Nobody does it like that anymore. Actually, people do it like that all over the world. In fact, I read of a man in India. He was, he was recounting his marriage. He said he didn't see his wife's face until three days after the wedding. Isn't that interesting? So it's very normal because of the circumstances that Leah could have been veiled. He would not have seen her, wouldn't have known who she was until the next morning. And all of a sudden he realizes that Laban has wronged him. That Laban has lied to him. That he's agreed to work for this man who's going to trick him and be dishonest with him. And not do the things he's supposed to do. One scholar explained it like this. It's that kind of person that God often uses in the lives of his people. I love this phrase, to sandpaper off their rough edges. It may be an employer or a fellow employee, a family member or a neighbor. God will use that person to drive us to depend on God more. See, God oftentimes will will take these difficult people and these rough people and these bad situations and he'll allow us to walk through that difficulty. He'll allow us to know this person and interact with this person. He'll allow us to work with or for this person or go to school with this person all so that we can become more like Christ. You think, well, that doesn't make me very happy in life. Well, you know, God's purpose is for you to be holy and to be Christ-like. Christ-like. It's not always about happiness. That's hard to say because we want to be happy. That's kind of our fleshly nature. But God says, you know what? I want you to be holy and I want you to experience joy, which can be a lot different than happiness. You understand that? And sometimes for us to understand that joy and experience that joy, we need to seek the Lord and we need to trust the Lord more and more. So verse 28. Is it 1039? Is it almost 1040? Wow, okay. Okay. Good thing I don't have anywhere else to be this morning but here. <laughs> <clears throat> I got into that a little bit more. I said, okay, Genesis 29, verse 20. Let's finish this up. So Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah and with Laban, gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave her servant Billah to his daughter Rachel as her servant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years, right? So here's truth number three. God uses our mistakes to mold us into his image. God uses our mistakes to mold us into his image, right? So we've seen difficult circumstances, we've seen difficult situations, and now we see that God even takes our mistakes and he can use those mistakes to kind of teach us a lesson. You say, wait a minute, what what has Jacob done wrong in all this? What, What mistake has Jacob made? Well, let me just remind you of a couple of interesting things. Jacob had already tricked his father Lied to his brother. And so I want to draw some parallels. I think this is fascinating. Just listen to a couple of these points. Jacob had pretended to be his older brother. Remember that? Now Leah had pretended to be her younger sister. Laban and Leah had deceived Jacob. Just as Jacob and Rebekah had deceived Isaac. Jacob had deceived Isaac. By taking advantage of his inability to see due to poor eyesight. Laban deceived Jacob by taking advantage of his inability to see in the dark tent. Earlier, Jacob had deceptively pretended to be the older brother. Now Laban tricked him by replacing the younger sister with her older sister. Right? There's all these parallels. God says, the sin that you did, Jacob, (laughs) the mistakes that you made, I'm going to remind you of all the things that you did in this situation. I'm reminded of Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. You need to remember this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their faith from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Right? God says your, your sin will find you. And God oftentimes will use that sin in your life to lead you closer to him. God will use that sin to teach you a lesson to help you understand exactly who he is. I want to finish with this passage of scripture. I'm reminded of Paul and his struggles because it's so easy for us when we deal with difficult circumstances, difficult situations, difficult people, the sin in our lives and the problems that that causes. It's difficult for us sometimes to see through this and to see the glory of the Lord. But let me just finish with Paul's reminder. Paul had struggled with a thorn in the flesh. He had begged the Lord to take it. But in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, he said to me, this is the Lord speaking to Paul, and you need to, those of you that are struggling difficult situations remember this passage of scripture the lord says my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore now this is paul again i will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that christ's power may rest on me that's why for christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, regardless of where you are and regardless of what you're going through, when you seek the Lord and you trust Christ through your weakness, his strength is made perfect. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the story of Jacob Thank you for us allowing to understand, Lord, through his difficult circumstances and the people he dealt with and the sin of his life, Lord, that you had a plan, that you used that plan, Father. You used those circumstances to strengthen him and encourage him and draw him nearer to you. And so, Father, I pray we would apply that very idea to our lives right now. We would understand the difficulties we face, the difficult people that surround us, the sin that sometimes we're involved in, the sin of the past, Lord. All those things are used by the Lord. All those things are used by the Lord to shape us and to mold us more into his image. So help us begin to understand, Father, in the difficulties of life, to see those opportunities as chances to grow in our faith, to grow in Christ. It's a good opportunity, Lord, at that very moment to be more Christ-like. Give us the strength to do that, Lord. Give us the strength to honor you and then when we do that, you do great things through us. Not because of our power, not because of our ability, but because in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. going to give you the opportunity for the next couple of minutes. Of course, if you want to come pray at the altar, maybe you need to pray about the situation you've been in. You've been asking the Lord to remove it. Maybe your prayer should change a little bit. Your idea should change a little bit. Maybe you want to talk about salvation or joining the church. This is your time to come. You respond as we sing together.